my commitment to sport is much more than what I can accomplish. It's what I can give to others through this sport. Like I truly feel like I've been blessed with the ability to have an endurance engine to use that platform to share with other people. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So there's this new backpacking food company called Peak Refuel. And honestly, I, I gave them a shot for my last backpacking trip. Y'all, it was literally the best backpacking food I've ever had in my life. I was so impressed by them that I wanted to reach out and get a deal for our listeners. So if you keep listening to the episode, I'll tell you how to save 20% off an order with them. What's up, everybody? Hope you had a good holiday break. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we were out of town for a while. So if you got in touch with us over the uh, over the break and I didn't respond, uh, apologize for that. We were in Florida for like two weeks seeing family, and it was great. It was awesome. Uh, it was good to get out of the cold, even though our winter isn't too bad here in Colorado. Uh, it was nice to, to get out. But uh, also... Um, you know, I want to thank you if you become a patron recently. Uh, we've gotten a lot of new patrons, and I, and I wanted to thank them. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much. Micah, a uh, good friend of mine. Thank you, Micah. Bart, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Connie and Bradley, you all, uh, you guys help make this show possible. So thank you for making it happen. Uh, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to my family. And, uh, yeah, this it really helps. So thank you so much. If you'd like to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. And, uh, for $1 for five bucks for whatever you want, you can become a patron of the show, support it monthly. Um, because we, I would say support it by episode, but we have a lot of episodes, so <laughs> I would not be putting down a dollar per episode. I mean, you can, if you want to, and I don't have a problem with it, but we get like 12, 13, sometimes 14 episodes a month. So, uh, that's quite a bit in the podcast world anyway. Um, yeah. So thank you again. And today's episode, uh, we kind of just get right into it. We didn't really do a formal introduction, uh, with Matt and Molly Smith, but they're, uh, they're a really cool couple. Uh, they just had a little son named Mason. Funny enough. That's my name. If you don't know. And, uh, I recommend it. It's a really good name. But uh, they're they're talking about their triathlon uh, uh, careers uh, at the beginning of the episode, how they got into it, and uh, kind of a really cool story uh, that unfolded from one of their races. And uh, needless to say, they are uh, to me. I don't think they're they're pretty humble people, but to me, they're a, they're a power couple. Just amazing what they can accomplish, their focus, their love for what they do. Um, but. They're just great people. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy. And I just wanted to do a little intro before the show because we didn't really do a formal one during the show. So anyway, here's the episode. Enjoy. And remember, you can always call us and leave a voicemail, give us feedback on the show, give us suggestions. 
uh, tell us what you're doing for 2019 with adventures by calling and leaving a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. And that's 812-M-A-I-L-P-O-D. Uh, let us know. 2019 is going to be a big year. Let's do it. I'd love to hear um, just kind of your background, how you got into uh, triathlons. And um, yeah, I know that's kind of vague, but I know y'all have been doing this for competing in about about a decade now. But it, but it, did it start with those? Did it start with one discipline and then merge into this? Or, or how did that work for each of you? Yeah, I think it's a little bit different for both of us. So my Molly said I get to go first. So my story was I I grew up as a swimmer and a mountain biker and motorcycle racer. Um, so it was always outside and doing like long bike rides and stuff like that. Um, went to college and didn't do anything. They literally filled in the swimming pool the day I started um, at the school that I went to. So uh, did what most college students do and gained a whole lot of weight in college. So I graduated, I went into school at about 175 pounds and graduated at almost 250. Um, so went from like a 32 waist to a 38 waist at graduation. And when I, I moved here to Colorado, um, right after graduation and decided I needed to do something to get my, just life back in shape because I was falling asleep at my desk at work and some other things like that and um, did some nutritional stuff but started running because I traveled um, 100% of the time for my first job and I could run anywhere. Uh, so literally started running around the block and built up to um, like hanging out with a running group and doing half marathons and that's kind of when triathlon started is there was a guy in our running group who was a triathlete and he was like you're a swimmer like no one in triathlon can swim you'd be good at this and you know how to ride a bike so uh got into it did xterra the off-road triathlons at first and then that guy convinced me to do some um shorter distance on-road triathlons and that was right about the time I met Molly. And then we both, I can let her tell her story, but we both kind of um, got into it uh, as we got going. So I've been racing for almost 20 years now um, and have done anything from a short like sprint distance race to Xterra, the off-road ones, to um, now eight Ironman races um, over that, that period of time. That's awesome. That's a good story. Um, yeah, I didn't know if Molly wanted to jump right into it. What he didn't add, because he's a humble guy, is that he's never not qualified for the World Championships for Ironman. So right out of the gate, the first Ironman he ever tried, we were sort of surprised. I went to spectate, didn't compete in that one. And uh, the next morning, woke up and it was a friend from our triathlon club who I think called and said, hey, Matt, are you going to come and collect your spot for Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii? Because you earned one. And it hadn't really even crossed either of our minds that that was sort of on the radar. Because uh, some people will spend quite a few years chasing that dream. And it just happened for Matt first time out of the gate. Uh, so in those eight, Ironman also includes um, some podium finishes and world championships uh, a couple different times. So it uh, obviously suited him well. Well, well I'm going to rely on both of you to do the bragging for each other, especially if you both tend to be humble. So just know... 
if you got to cut in and fill any of those gaps, thank you. Cause that's, <laughs> that's impressive. And I, I want to know stuff like that. I'm, I'm pretty proud of this guy. And, um, and there is a pretty spectacular endurance engine that's somehow built into this body of his. So sometimes we'll joke and say, he can certainly go faster than most, longer than most, the longer, the better. Some athletes really seem to excel at some of the shorter distance stuff. And some people are just hardwired for long distance endurance stuff. And I think we've realized that we both tend to perform a little bit better, the longer the race. And maybe that's just because fewer people are willing to go that long and they give up. So the field is thinner, but um, I think probably just the way that we were built and genetically that seems to suit us well as to do some of the longer stuff. That's awesome. So, uh, so what's your story then, Molly? Uh, so I grew up as a runner and was probably that kid on the playground in elementary school that would just take off running for fun because I thought it was enjoyable. Um, ran track and actually grew up playing quite a bit of volleyball. Um, and then running with a cross-country team just because, again, I thought it was fun and enjoyable. And um, runners seem to, to be fun people. Um, so it wasn't actually until I met Matt and one of our first dates was actually to go on a run. And I thought, ooh, this relationship has some potential. This is going to be great. So we started dating and uh, on runs. And then I thought, well, if a guy can fall in love with you with your hair in a ponytail and sweaty on a run, then there's some staying power here. <laughs> uh, so I had, had gone to watch Matt compete in a triathlon when we were dating. And it was really some of my first exposure to the sport. And I thought, well, gosh, I, I love running. I've been a runner my whole life. And uh, I think I can enjoy the bike. If I could just figure out the swim part, then maybe I ought to give this a try. And I think feeling fairly hardwired as an athlete and a competitor uh, all growing up throughout life, um, I thought, well, gosh, it seems like it would be a lot more fun to be a competitor than a participant. Because with triathlon, the honesty of the spectating experience is you kind of see people for these little spurts of time when they come into transition. So they come out of the water and then run over to the bike and then they're off for a while. And then they come back and you see them for a little sliver of time and they're off on the run for a while. And so uh, I loved spectating and cheering that on. Uh, but I thought, I think this might be more fun if I could figure out how to compete in this myself. Uh, so I did not grow up with a spring with a swim background. And I literally enrolled in the introduction to swim lessons at uh, a local university uh, for adult swimmers who were first timers learning to swim. And I uh, thought, well, if I can just figure that part out and not drown along the way, then maybe I could really enjoy this. So did my first sprint triathlon. I guess it was the summer after meeting Matt. And I uh, thought, well, gosh, I think I, I think I like this. And I was well-suited to the run especially. And I thought, well, if you start the sport as a, a sort of weaker swimmer, then the beauty of that is you just catch people the rest of the race. <laughs> if you're slow in the water, then there are a lot of people in front of you that you get to catch and pass and uh, hmm. And that was kind of my first introduction to the sport was saying, all right, get through the swim without drowning and then uh, enjoy the bike and, and then just get excited when you get to the run and everybody else seems to be getting tired and you're finally hitting your stride and at the forte. Um, so I did my first race, I guess that was in 2005. Um, and the, the rest is history. I was hooked. I thought, gosh, if I could get some decent equipment and if Matt could help me become an even better swimmer, then I, I think I think I like this. We might be on to something. And it's definitely been an integrated part of our life ever since. Wow, that's that's awesome for the both of you. So so what is it about the the uh the combined disciplines as well as the just just overall length of time? These are such long events. And, uh, it's still, 
you know, it's popular out here and out in Denver, you would never know that it's, you know, kind of a niche sport, but, uh, worldwide, it's still relatively small. What is it for you guys that you love about this? What's the feeling or, or, or the, the excitement of being out there at like hour eight, you know, what, what is that like for you? Yeah, I would say, like Molly said, my body is just hardwired for it. Like we used to, when I was in high school, my buddies and I used to ride our mountain bikes. It was like 10 miles from our house to where the trail started and then ride up the trail and ride back down and come home. And it was just an all day journey. And I think that's what's appealing about triathlon is when you get to go on those long bike rides with your friends and talk as you're pedaling up to Estes Park or whatever it is, um, that part's kind of cool. And just to test your physical and mental ability, because as you go a longer distance, I think I've found I've coached athletes for eight years now. And, um, you know, as you go longer, it's more of a mental game than it is a physical game. So it's to push those boundaries in a way that I feel like my body is is suited to doing and my mindset um, is suited to doing and really enjoying the journey. I would also say we've uh, connected with some really awesome people along the way over the last 10 or so years. We're a part of Rocky Mountain Tri Club and helped as officers with that. So, you know, have 20 or 30 people that we see, if not more, um, on a weekly basis to run with. And, um, we've been a part of the runner's roost, um, racing team that has 200 some runners and triathletes in it. So again, you just get to meet some really cool people as a part of the journey. So it becomes an integrated, um, integrated piece of your lifestyle. But I just love the, I love the journey and the, the challenge to, to myself. Yeah, I would echo that and say, I think we're both pretty goal-driven people. And especially for somebody who did not have a strong swim background, for me, some of it was the thrill of, I had experienced some athletic success in my volleyball career and as a runner. And I thought, well, I'm starting something new here and I have no idea what this is going to be like. So for me, there was that, that challenge and that goal to be able to say, all right, I think I can figure this out. What does it take not only to just survive and not drown, but to really master this in into the best of my ability uh, to be able to enjoy it? So I think some of it's just the the thrill and the challenge of it, knowing that it's it's not something that you just go and do on the weekend or you happen to, to do a race a couple times a year. Uh, for us, at least, it's a day in, day out lifestyle choice. Um, so it's about discipline and um, and being able to stick with something. Um, so I'd say, you know, depending on where we are in the year and kind of what our training season looks like, you may be getting up in the morning and you're in the pool at 5.30 and then sneak out of work at lunch to go to the gym and lift and then you know, you're running after work. So somewhere between two and three workouts a day. Uh, so I think that that translates a lot to life and saying you set your eyes on the prize and have a goal and a plan and you execute and it takes diligence and discipline and consistency. And there's something about that that's really attractive to me. Um, so that's that's one way to answer the question. I also do think that it's, for us, a very relational sport. Like Matt mentioned, we have some really deep friendships that have developed over time. Um, we've also had a chance to do some pretty amazing travel. We've raced in Europe. 
Uh, we've raced in Canada. We've raced a lot domestically, of course. Um, but some of the best memories, if you have a great race, that's fantastic. But some of the best memories are truly traveling with friends. And, um, you know, if you're going all the way to Austria for a race, you might as well stick around and do some exploration and, uh, and see what the countries you're visiting and racing have to offer too. So, um, I'd say it's, it's a piece of, of lifestyle and friendship and uh, the challenge kind of all wrapped into one with a nice tidy bow that makes it really attractive to both of us and something that we can enjoy together. And uh, say, all right, honey, um, what are we doing this morning? Is it a, a two-hour run or are we going to be in the pool? And uh, being able to share that with your spouse, I think, is pretty special too because um, I think a lot of people have to negotiate that as time away from family, whereas for us, it's time that we get to spend doing something that we love together. Yeah, a, a couple that uh, trains together is going to stay together, I guess. <laughs> that sounds like an incredibly healthy, healthy lifestyle. I mean, unbelievable. Um, you know, my wife and I are active, but nowhere on that level. And uh, it just sounds like an incredible thing to focus your time and energy towards. And obviously, it doesn't zap your energy as much as it just uh, compounds and gives you more and more to really kind of suck all the marrow out of life is what it seems like. Well, it really is life-giving. I do feel like um, it's energizing and the days where we you know, skip a workout or things don't fall into place quite right, like you, you miss it. It truly does become a fabric of your routine and your life. And um, I guess maybe just life-giving is the best way to describe it and something that brings us great joy and excitement. And it's, it's hard to... It's hard to let that go when you say this is something that is good for us and it brings us a lot of pleasure too. That's awesome. Matt, you were racing for a while and you had a, a couple years ago, you might not want to talk about it, but uh, there was a, a, a very, very small item um, really, <laughs> really kind of hindered you in a big, big way. Uh, do you feel like sharing that story at all? Yeah, um, I think I've gotten over the PTSD for the most part. <laughs> it actually was oh. cool. Um, I'd say it was a cool experience. In the end, it turned into one of the most, it was one of the hardest days I've ever had and one of the most life-giving experiences at the same time. So a couple of years ago, um, I mean, yeah, 2006, 15, no, 15, 16. Anyway, I was racing, um, Ironman Chattanooga in Tennessee and I had a goal that year I was turning 40 and in our sport I didn't know any amateur athletes who had done all three distances of world championships in the same year so there's a Hawaii Ironman that you see you know on TV um, is of course one world championship there's a half Ironman world championship that's a 70.3 mile race um, and that actually was supposed to be in Chattanooga the next year. And then Xterra is the off-road triathlon world championship that happens in Maui. So I was like, I'll do September, literally September, October, November, do all three of those races when I turn 40 in October. And that was my like big to qualify and race. All those was my big goal. So that race in Chattanooga Ironman was to qualify for, Kona and had trained well for it, um, had a pretty solid day, um, crossed the finish line as I want to say one of the top five amateurs in the race and just barely 
second in my age class and there were two spots to go to Kona. So I knew I had secured the spot to Kona and probably about 10 minutes after crossing the finish line, the referee came up and said, I'm sorry, you get to keep your finisher medal, but you're disqualified um, from the race um, because you had outside assistance from a spectator. And I was like, huh? Um, And what had happened is it was like 101 degrees out that day on the run. And the you kind of get to a point mentally where you can only focus on about one thing at a time at, at around mile 15 or so of that that marathon. And all I could think about was how bad my lips were burning and I needed chapstick to like with sunblock to calm them down. I don't know why that's what stuck. And I knew my wife always carried one with her and she was on a bike spectating on the course. So she would ride a couple miles up the course, stop and cheer for me. And when I passed her, I was like, give me chapstick now. And it is an Ironman rule to not take outside assistance. So she wouldn't give it to me um, at first. And I I remember I yelled something really nice at her um, that resulted in her throwing it on the ground and me picking it up. Um, And I, um, anyway, the, the referee saw that and decided that, at the end I was, I was, I had taken assistance and there were some other things that went with that. They said that I had gotten more assistance, which I still can't quite figure out where that came from. Um, but anyway, it led to a friend of ours as a TV reporter here in Denver. And, um, I had posted something on Facebook because we had, I want to say like 50 or 60 friends literally who had said like, Matt, your results just disappeared. Um, are you okay? Did you die? Like you were in the lead in the race and all of a sudden you just weren't there anymore. What happened? Um, so I just posted on Facebook, this is what happened. And, um, he was like, I want to do a, a story about that. So he did a news story on it and it, um, it actually turned into one of the, it was well-intentioned, um, probably a little exaggerated as most TV news stories were. And, um, yeah, ended up in some, some really fun discussions in the triathlon community um, that that stung a little bit, um, like forum threads of people saying I was a cheater and would do anything to uh, probably took drugs or something because um, I was that bad of a person. And um, anyway, long the long story was the probably a, a tough day um, turned into something tougher. It was the most viral story in triathlon this that year. I think there were like. 300,000 YouTube (laughs) hits on the video. (laughs) Um, So literally I had friends worldwide sending me notes saying they saw it um, in their local triathlon media. Um, So like I said, it was a, it was a really tough one, but it actually turned into probably one of the best things because if I would have qualified for Kona um, that January, a good friend of mine who's visually impaired called and said he wanted to guide he wanted me to guide him for Ironman Maryland, which was the same day as Kona. So I wouldn't have been able to take advantage of that opportunity if I qualified. So they say, you know, sometimes you have to go through the gauntlet to see the light. And it really helped me realize my purpose on this planet is to serve other people. And that original goal was really self-serving and not about who I am as a person. Um, 
and I was able to, to truly do what, what I, what I was called to do on the planet. Um, and that was such like that race at Ironman Maryland was probably the best race experience we've had both Molly and I have had in our, um, racing careers. So, uh, yeah, bad day turned into something awesome. I remember on my first bike trip, we were on the Alaskan highway, my buddy and I, and we were absolutely total idiots. We had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) We ran out of food a bunch and it really kind of scarred us because I remember being so, I remember crying one time thinking about key lime pie (laughs) because we were so hungry and it was, we were so far from the next uh, spot to get food and it kind of scarred me and my wife even makes fun of me now because I tend to way overpack even for day trips and I don't really have to do that now because uh, you know we, we buy from Peak Refuel and they have these awesome freeze-dried meals. Uh, it's lightweight, it weighs almost nothing uh, when there's no water in it and it's a lot of food. It tastes awesome. So gone are the days of carrying way too much food. And hello to the days where we're only carrying Peak. If you'd like to give Peak Refuel a try, just go to their website, order some food, and at checkout, just use the code ASP20 at checkout to get 20% off. So give them a shot. You you know, I I knew about the chapstick, and I knew about, I was going to ask in a second about you you leading your visually impaired friend, but I, I didn't know the two were connected in that way, that that was the same time you would have been in Kona. Huh. All the stories I read didn't, I must not read one that put that together. Um, That's unbelievable. About it, but it's probably not something that was written. Cause like I said, it was either positive with the chapstick thing. It was like, like literally I went to, it was on nine or seven news in Denver. So I went to the, get my haircut at super cuts and it was my, I like one moment of fame because the lady who was cutting my hair was like, had, I said something about I was getting a haircut to go do a different race or something. And I wanted it shorter. And she was like, Oh, I saw the story on the news. And then like totally clicked and was like, that's you. I made my son watch that story three times because of it showed sportsmanship because I had accepted the disqualification without arguing with the ref because we had, had a really negative experience with an athlete who I coached, like literally almost punching a ref out for, um, giving him a penalty once. Um, so I, I actually make my athletes sign something that say they won't ever argue with a ref, um, if I'm coaching them. So anyway, turned into something, like I said, really positive, but the triathlon media made it pretty, pretty brutal. Like there are people who some, some trolls in the online world out there that didn't take it quite as, as positively. <laughs> Holy cow, man. I, ho- I hope you kept that tube of chapstick, put it in a frame or something. <laughs> well, I might have gotten like, since my birthday was after that for my 40th birthday, I, a few people decided 40 tubes of chapstick were a really good birthday present. So I think I have 120 <laughs> tubes of chapstick. <laughs> That's awesome. We still have that particular one. <laughs> good, good. You need to you need to hold on to that. Um, 
would would you say that you're i know this you know you've probably been asked this before but would you say that you're glad that that happened now that it's uh washed over and you've seen some lessons through it i think it's like i said i it's something um I think was a life defining. I I've always been a firm believer that, um, you know, you can talk about character all day, but it's defined by your action. Like when you can define it by your actions and when consequences, let your character shine. Um, you know, I, I hope that that let who I am shine through and my, like I said, my purpose shine through. And it made me realize like this, my commitment to sport is much more than what I can accomplish. It's what I can give to others through this sport. Like I truly feel like I've been blessed with the ability to have a, an endurance engine um, and a love for it. And I need to, to use that platform to share with other people. So being able to guide Eric, our visually impaired friend and to, to a world record, like is, is a lot more life giving to me than me going out and winning a race any day. Man, that is, that is really powerful, honestly. And you know, that leads me to my next series of, of questions and discussion. You guys, because of that, because of that disqualification that led you open the door for you to be able to lead your friend, um, who is visually impaired for you to physically literally guide him along um an Ironman competition route in uh, Maryland and about a week beforehand Molly you just kind of decided to go right and 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 compete as well yeah so um I typically prefer the 70.3 mile distance the half Ironman distance and had competed in Austria the year prior and um, was about 30 seconds off the the world podium and uh, so I'll tell you, those 32 seconds haunted me for the entire year. And uh, I was pretty motivated to train hard and to go back to the world championships and earn a wow. spot on that podium. Um, That's so awesome. heavy, heavy training for the 70.3 distance. Uh, but we knew Matt was guiding for Eric at Ironman Maryland. And we have a tight knit group of friends. And I think out of the eight of us, I was the only one who wasn't registered for an Ironman. So at a certain point, I was like, well, I can go and do a shorter ride all by myself, or I can just do the training with the other people who are doing Ironman training. But my primary focus was really for that year, the half Ironman World Championships were in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So there was a little bit of an interesting um, experience of going back to the city that had um, been a little bit challenging the last time we had raced there. Um, so had a really, really great world championship, um, was in the top five amateur women on the world stage, which was a first for me and um, was second in my division. So there was one gal who came in and crossed the tape in front of me, but it was a, it was a pretty spectacular day and I was really excited and proud and felt great and raced another half Ironman the following weekend. And I thought, well, gosh, I don't know, maybe I'm going anyway, Matt and I already have tickets. Um, we have a double bike box. So if you ship your box, uh, to go and race and your bike is in. And I thought, well, there's a space for mine right next to Matt's. We have our flight, we have our hotel, Matt and Eric are already racing. All I'd really have to do is just register everything else is already put in place. So truth be told, I sort of wanted to check the weather forecast because the year before it had been a really rainy day. And I thought I have no desire to race 140 miles in the pouring rain. So we did until that uh, seven day forecast came out, check the weather. And I was like, huh, looks like it's going to be a decent day. I think my training has gone well, even though I was training primarily for um, the 70.3 distance. 
I thought, I bet I've got enough training under my belt to make it through the, the full distance. Uh, so sort of did it under the radar because people would tease me for the longest time. You know, are you going to do an Ironman? Are you going to do an Ironman? I said, no, I, I'd, I'd rather do more of that slightly shorter distance. Um, so registered about a week before. It didn't really tell anybody. I think I called my parents and said, well, I'm listing you as my emergency contact because Matt's going to be out on the course. So if something happens to me, he'll be of no help. So I just thought I should probably let you know that I'm doing the race um, and then ended up having a really great day. So it was, it was a pretty special day for both of us for, for a variety of reasons. So uh, Matt, do you want to share um, what Molly isn't sharing about her uh, completing that race? Yeah. She not only finished, but she won the race overall for women. So unbelievable. The, <laughs> the tape. And I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure it's happened in the history of Ironman, but in my history, I don't know an amateur who has raced Ironman as their first, like raced their first Ironman and won the race overall. So pretty special day to have, um, like I said, Eric set a world record that day um, and Molly passed us somewhere along the run, I think mile six of the run. And we knew she was probably going to, win at that she didn't know at that point but we knew the second place woman had just passed us and she was she was struggling a little and molly was just like stopped and chatted with us actually handed me a tube of chapstick and we had a little laugh because (laughs) competitors not spectators and i was like well technically it's legal this time honey you want some chapstick so we had a little inside joke and we thought it was funny (laughs) that's hilarious yeah that's so funny golly so um yeah, in that race that Matt wasn't supposed to happen because you would have been in Kona, um, you got to see your friend uh, get a world record. You were right there, like physically right there with him, and you got to see your wife win. Um, yeah. When did it click for you both to that you both had achieved those things independently, and what what did that feel like? Magic. I don't know, (laughs) surreal, like cloud nine, just thinking um, you can go out and hope that you have the greatest day, but there's so many things that are outside your control that honestly, at some point you say, this was probably just grace of God that we had such a great day, Uh, but just a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation for fit, well bodies and just a day that went smoothly and, and well, I think there was probably a little bit of shock and surprise and I finished a little ahead of Eric and Matt. And so I was there with Eric's family and he has two daughters. His younger daughter was tracking on her iPad or phone, how they were doing. And they knew it was going to be close because they were coming down to the wire in terms of the time they needed to break that record. Uh, So I was there biting my fingernails along with Eric's whole family. uh, So I could see them coming and we were watching the clock and looking down the finish shoot and watching the clock and, uh, it was it was a pretty memorable moment to be there with Eric's family too, and I got to see it all unfold right in front of my very eyes. And like I said, the best word is probably just magical, surreal. Like how did this all play out so perfectly? Um, and that's kind of when we looked at each other and thought, you know, things fall into place just like they're supposed to. And even though the chapstick incident was not a lot of fun during that time, um, to say like everything fell into place just exactly as it was supposed to for this moment. So a deep sense of gratitude and 
knowing that it was a part of a bigger picture and a plan that sort of transcended our own racing goals and desires. Um, and to be able to share that with, with Eric and with his family and with the two of us was again, just pretty special, a magical day. Yeah. I, I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. And, uh, you know, you, you, you probably, Matt, you probably had similar, not similar feelings, but you had a similar experience in the sense of finishing a race alone, uh, can you just describe like what it was like for you to kind of have that um, spotlight off yourself? Because as racers, you know, inevitably you're just going to have attention on you for for completing for for winning. What was it like for all that to be on someone else? Um, well, it is. I would say as a guide, I mean, you do the whole race with the athlete. Like we're t- literally tied together for the entire race. Um, so in this case. Like when I would train for a race normally, like I knew my metrics, like I know I have to hit these times in training, do this kind of a a volume load to get where I want to go. When I'm racing with him, I had no clue. Like I had an idea of what he wanted to do, but I was like, what, what am I, what more am I going to need to be able to give to kind of coach him? Like I have to talk to him the whole time, tell him where a curb is that you have to step over if there's a a bump in the road on the bike where he has to stand up on the tandem so that, you know, his butt doesn't hurt for the rest of the day. Um, so I was like, am I going to have the extra energy to do that along with finish the race? And I would say, honestly, I was probably the most nervous I'd been for a race in a long time. Um, both guiding him there and in Hawaii this year, just because it's, you can't, by a rule, you can't switch out a guide mid race. So like, um, there's a lot, a lot lying, like he's putting his full trust in my ability to get the finish line. So it's a whole, it is a whole different experience. Like to say, I have to perform as, as well as he wants to perform. Like if I have a bad day and have to walk part of the marathon, um, he'd have to walk with me cause I can't, like he can't cross the finish line without me legally. Yeah. And I mean, physically, I mean, he's not going to be able to, um, do that. And so, yeah, I, I didn't even think about the pressure to make sure you're at the very least able to keep up and at the, um, ideally be able to have the ability not only to, uh, guide him under your wing, but also to make all these micro decisions, moment by moment of like, okay, you cannot, nothing can be in his way. Um, you got, yeah. Making sure he stands up when you're supposed to on the pedals. I mean, there's so much to think, think about. Did you find that pretty, pretty exhausting and pretty emotionally taxing? And it, like we just, we did the Ironman in Hawaii this year cause he got a spot for that. Um, there's a whole story around like visually impaired athletes and they have to go into a lottery. So he didn't know until this last April and he called and said, Hey, I want you to come to Hawaii with me and, and guide. Um, so that anyway, Hawaii, um, definitely it's scary when they're, I would say it took, or it's, it's hard. It took, um, we stayed, Molly and I stayed for four days after the race in Kona as a little vacation and I, I'd say it definitely took those four days to like truly come back to being not just physically myself, but emotionally like ready to go 
engage with the world. We had a pretty quiet couple days afterward. <laughs> I can't even imagine, man, especially on that like open ocean, not open ocean, but in the, in the ocean with the waves, golly, it's gotta be crazy, man. That is so cool. Do you, so do you see yourself doing this more? Like, uh, is it, is it more rewarding as an experience? I've coached athletes now for, um, for eight years. So I get just as much enjoyment seeing them perform as seeing me perform. And I wouldn't say I'm at like the limit of my performance, but we have, you know, a new, a new baby. My full-time job has gotten more demanding over the years. Um, and I just, I truly love guiding. I love Eric who I, I work with. He and I work really well as a team and, um, there's other guys out there who are challenging our, our world record or Eric's world. I should say Eric's world record. Cause, um, the beauty is kind of like Chattanooga. I have no existence when I'm out on the course with him other than, um, like I, I'm not recognized as a competitor or anything. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, there's, there's definitely people challenging. So we'll see how long he wants to keep competing or if, someone else calls and asks, I would, I would gladly do it. That's awesome. So yeah, I suppose for each of you, what is, uh, what does the future hold with your, um, athletic careers? What would you like to achieve? I know you just have a, you have a newborn and that, that, that can slow things down for a little while, but not always. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Initially I thought, well, it'll be kind of like recovering from an Ironman or a marathon and, um, yeah, it changes the rules a little bit. Um, so I think next for us is figuring out how to juggle things and maintain the balance and still try and compete, um, maybe at a world-class level. We'll see. Um, but I think our, our next big goal is that the half Ironman World Championships are in France this next year, and um, they'll be right around our son's first birthday. So we would uh, potentially be there to compete on his first birthday. So we thought, well, that could be kind of fun. Uh, to be able to say, all right, we've got this little guy that we want to introduce to the world and say, mommy and daddy love doing triathlon and we would like to take you along in some of those adventures. Um, so will I will I be at the top of the podium again at the world level this coming season? Not sure, but um, I think there's something significant about uh, getting back into the swing of things and saying, yeah, you can have a newborn and you can figure this out. And um, But it really is more about the love of the sport than it is about performance. I think it's nice to go out with a goal and say, I want to be at the top of the podium. I want to place. I want to be um, among the, the world's best in the ladies division. Um, but that's not really why I do it. I don't think the, the results are why either of us do it. We do it for the love of the sport and for the community, the sense of challenge, um, and it's just kind of a nice side effect and benefit if you put in the training to do well in the races too. Um, but I think it's something that we enjoy enough that uh, we'd like to continue doing and kind of see what the future holds um, in terms of our competitiveness. But the plan is keep going. And I joke with Matt as our son gets stronger and bigger, uh, Matt can just tow him behind us on the bike and then that'll be the equalizer. So if he's towing an extra few pounds then I'll be able to keep up and we'll continue training together and pretend like it's weight training just with a little munchkin instead of uh, weights or additional resistance. I didn't even ask, is it, uh, uh what's your child's name? Uh, funny enough, it's Mason. Good name, right? <laughs> we don't know too many names, but, uh, yes, his name is Mason Gary Smith. 
Wow. I, uh, I absolutely recommend it. I love my name. Um, it's just unique enough and I uh, didn't know any others growing up. I hear it a little more now, but I highly recommend it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, Fabulous. It was... A little good vote of confidence there. One, I think it was the fir- in the first list of names we had, and we were just like, that sticks. We like it. And it's when he came out, we were like, yep, that's we're, amazing. We're staying with it. We never questioned. So that's well, so hopefully you have a little endurance athlete in training. Being really active, I trained and continued to compete through the majority of pregnancy, obviously a little bit slower. Um, but <laughs> even when we had the ultrasound, the doctor said, gosh, you've got an active little guy in there. And we looked at each other and said, yep, that probably seems about right. And so I uh, said, so does that translate at all? So when he's actually born that he won't be happy unless he's in motion. And That's the doctor sort of true. <laughs> chuckled and said, not necessarily, but you might want to invest in a swing. So uh, <laughs> I learned that he likes to be active, uh, which suits us perfectly. And we're excited about that. And um, yeah, introduce this little guy to the love and joy of being outside and of being active and hopefully model a really great lifestyle and maybe have him come along to some races along the way. That's awesome. Well, well, hopefully he, uh, he gets bigger just at the right increment. So as you pull him behind you, you just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. <laughs> and uh, that'll be really good, uh, consistent training. So yeah, that's awesome. You, you drop the weight and you go, you race like the winds. <laughs> we'll let you know to be determined on that one. I think. <laughs> That's funny. That is awesome. Well, well, congratulations. Uh, thank you for being on and sharing your story and, uh, you know, just, uh, showing character during that trial, Matt, and then leading, being led to, um, have just an incredible experience with your friend and Molly for, uh, just saying, let's go for it. And then winning. So I have no doubt that you go into France, you have just as good of a chance as ever to be standing on the podium. So congratulations y'all and uh, congratulations on, on the newborn Mason. <laughs> Thank you cool. so much. Yeah. Really Thanks for the it. opportunity. We're always honored and hope that um, our ramblings can inspire someone to take up a multi-sport lifestyle at some point. That's, that's what this show is about is just inspiring people to pursue that next challenge, whatever it is, whether it's getting up off the couch the very first time or, you know, completing the seven summits so it's 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 a huge range of who who listens awesome awesome well get out there enjoy it it's a big wide world full of all kinds of exciting adventures just awaiting you awesome thank you so much now y'all have a good one you, you too Bye, all right see ya Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com and use ASP20 at checkout. Thank you.